Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Simply Amazing. I'm Tim Ryder from the Apple. Uh, big weekend in the Bronx. Matt Brownstein from Metsmerized is back with us. We're going to break that all down and uh, I guess a whole lot more. Uh, let's jump into it. Matt, what's happening, man? Tim, always a pleasure, man. Thank you for having me on. Always, always my pleasure. How was your uh, Independence Day? Safe and, uh, and fruitful, I hope. Yes, very fun. You know, just basic stuff. I did actually have to work that day. So I worked in the morning and then uh, barbecue at night and saw some fireworks and, you know, simple stuff. But it was nice. Nice, nice and relaxing. How about yours? Right. At this age, it's like, you know, it's, it's all kind of just part of the uh, part of the script now. But oh, uh, it was nice. You know, I put it up on Twitter. You know, it, it was just like, a you know, just a normal Fourth of July. It doesn't even feel like much anymore. And, you know, once the fireworks start going off, it's just so much fun. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Every year it's always fun and always fun to see the, uh, the, the, the local kids setting off their own fireworks and then hearing all the, the bangs and clashes that are going on at, all throughout the night. So, you know, I got home, it was about midnight and it was, it was still going on. So as an older gentleman now, I'm, you know, wanting to go to bed and I'm hearing all these fireworks going off. So it's, uh, you know, I feel like, uh, you know, Clint Eastwood, get off my lawn type of guy now at my uh, advanced age. My wife was hanging out with my youngest. My, my oldest was out with her friends. They went to I guess they all hung out at one of their houses, but they were out and they're watching the end of the fireworks. It's like 10 30, 11 o'clock. I grabbed the pets. I'm like, come on guys, it's time for bed. I put my headphones in, <laughs> I put, put the dog and the cat on the bed. And I woke up at like six o'clock this morning. And I think everyone just woke up like an hour ago. Jeez. Yep. Yeah, yep. I, I hear you know, it. We, uh, as we get older, things toned down a bunch. Uh, that's for sure. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> But the Mets had a nice weekend. Yeah, finally we got to see uh, some of the offense break out. I think we kind of all expected and knew that was going to happen at some point, right? Especially with uh, the returns of Michael Conforto, Jeff McNeil, Brandon Nimmo. Um, a lot of fun. I mean, it's the first two games, my gosh, 18 runs scored. Uh, and only two home runs from, from those 18 runs. So it just really shows that this offense uh, from top to bottom can be so dynamic. I think that's what a lot of fans hoped and thought you know, coming into the season that it could be, it was a deep lineup. And uh, I think that Yankees, uh, Yankee series really kind of hopefully uh, woke some of these guys up. Yeah. I mean, I think it was a matter of time after, you know, as guys keep on coming back healthy, um, you know, adjusting to major league pitching is going to be a, you know, a readjusting, I should say, it's going to be a challenge. And I think you're seeing that now with Conforto and Jeff McNeil, who started starting to break out of his little funk that he's, that he's had, um, I guess since coming back, but yeah, Nimmo came back. I think he went five for nine this weekend, three runs scored, three runs driven in. Yeah. Mets scored 20 runs on 30 hits. I think on Saturday out of their 14 hits, 13 were singles. Like if, as far as I'm concerned, that's fine by me, man, as long as they're plating runs and, and getting the job done, that's great. Um, you know, the pitching has been terrific. Uh, the all-star game, <laughs> the all-star game rosters were, uh, were announced. And of course, Jacob DeGrom got the uh, got the nod there. He's only on pace for, I have it here, 277 strikeouts, 23 walks, and he's got a sub-1 ERA in the uh, in the early stages of July. So uh, I guess he, he was our shoe-in, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mean, if anybody deserves uh, an all-star game selection, it's obviously DeGrom, and it sounds like he's not going to be participating in the event, unfortunately. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, he, he's definitely someone that uh, is, he's having an historic season. And uh, I think more and more people are, are starting to wake up to, you know, how just dominant Jacob DeGrom is from start to start. And, you know, it's funny when he has, you know, a game where he only, where he only goes, you know, six innings, and gives up two runs. That's considered a, you know, a bad start by his accounts. I think, uh, 
every pitcher in the league would, would take that Dick, Jacob DeGrom's bad start as their good start. And, uh, oh, right. and, and, and he only struck out 14. So you know. only, yeah, it's right. Yeah. And no walks, <laughs> you know, so yeah, he, uh, it's, it's, you know, I mean, every time he takes the mound, man, it's like, I'm thinking I'm going to witness history. You know, I'm thinking he's going to do something, whether it's striking out 20 or if he's going to have like an immaculate inning or he's going to have a no hitter or, uh, you know, he's going to just throw a complete game shutout. Like every time he takes the mound, like I am just so confident that he's going to be putting up some kind of show, even if he's not at his best. I mean, we've seen the games where he even says, you know, coming out of, you know, out of the bullpen, he didn't feel his best and he, you know, has 10 strikeouts or, you know, he didn't feel like he, his, um, his forcing fastball was working for him that day. And, and he still, you know, dominates and he's just, and especially what he's doing with just two, basically two pitches this year. Right. I mean, he's really just predominantly throwing a forcing fastball and a slider, yeah. but the low, if you look at the, uh, you know, the pitch maps, uh, he's throwing the forcing. I mean, it's like perfect placement, throwing the forcing fastball up in the zone and the slider, you know, away and into, and into lefties. Um, so it's, it's just like, it's beautiful to watch. It really is. He's, uh, he's been a lot of fun to watch this year and, and, you know, pretty much every year he's been in the, in the league so far. And you've brought up his release points so many times, how they're just so consistent. And you look at his pitch pads or his pitch maps or, or however you want to put them, but, you know, you're saying that these four seams are coming in at the top of the zone. The sliders are taking the exact same path, and then they're just cutting off at, like, what is that, 6, 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock maybe, and boom, they're just gone. And, uh, yeah, it's just it's, – it's had guys befuddled. And, you know, just to kind of echo what you were saying, every time he goes out, he does something – special but different than before like 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 you said it's almost you know he's he's surprising us every time he comes out um i think his last start out i don't know if his four seamer just wasn't feeling great coming out for him i know he was kind of messing with velocity through the start but he leaned on that slider so much and it was just uh you know guys can't touch it and we saw it with garrett cole over the weekend where yeah if he puts 100 miles an hour right at the top, the, like the tippy top of the strike zone. There's not a lot of guys who are going to hit that, but boy, good luck catching up to Jacob DeGrom's slider. That's just ridiculous. Yeah, he predominantly went uh, slider that game. I think he threw like about 45 or 46 pitches uh, of, of, of the pitches he threw were sliders. And, uh, you know, his slider is obviously such a, such a plus pitch for him that, you know, he, he, he can do that. And, uh, you know, even when his four-seam fastball doesn't have the same velo and, you know, it's funny, you know, we say he doesn't have the same velo. He's still throwing, you know, 96, 97, which, you know, is still, you know, ridiculous. But we're so used to seeing him, you know, chuck it in there at 99, 100, 101, that when he's off by a tick or two, it's like, you know, sound the alarm bells. And, um, <laughs> you know, but and then not to mention, too, I mean, what he's done at the plate this year as well has been phenomenal. I mean, he's batting 387, um, you know, 806 OPS. Uh, you know, he, he's been just he does something not only, you know, fun and different on the mound every time, but at the plate too. Like you, I'm expecting like, you know, a quality of bat every time he's up at the plate. Oh yeah. And, and he's just, he's, I mean, of course we can look across the league and be like, Oh, well yeah, Shohei Otani. And he's doing things that have never ever been done before, but uh, sure. it's yeah. It, Jacob DeGrom is a throwback with just like a, a sprinkling of what did I just see? And it's, it's, um, it's very cool to, to be, I guess, you know, as fans of this team, watching every game, watching every start, just seeing it all kind of unfold firsthand. It's been very, very cool to see him go from, wow, he's got a lot of talent to, wow, he might be the greatest pitcher ever. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely wild. But as you were saying, it's likely that Jacob DeGrom does not pitch in the All-Star game. As it's been reported, he probably won't even head out there. Um Taiwan Walker, who's been getting a lot of 
um, recognition for what he's done this season. You know, he came in, he didn't, the only team that offered him a contract was the Mets this offseason. That's per the player. Um, he came into Sunday with a 2.44 ERA, uh, I think second or third in the league as far as home runs allowed per nine, uh, 0.64, uh, 2.86 walks per nine, just having a terrific, terrific season. Um, I guess you would have to assume that he's going to be the, since Jacob deGrom was the only Mets uh, selection, that he'll be deGrom's replacement if he does indeed not come, uh, not uh, choose not to attend the game. I guess I, I made the point out there on Twitter on Sunday, and it seemed to get a little traction. Marcus Stroman entered Sunday with the same exact ERA that Taiwan Walker did, 2.44. He was also under a home run per nine inning, 0.91. And he actually has less walks per nine than, than Walker, 2.44. So if we're talking about Taiwan Walker getting snubbed, we kind of got to talk about Marcus Stroman getting snubbed, right? I think that's a great point. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, his, uh, his ERA, Stroman's ERA, that is, went up a tick, you know, last night from last night's start. So he's at 2.6. But mm-hmm. I mean, that's, you know, net negligible, you know, when you're looking at, you know, overall numbers. Um, they're very similar. I mean, ERA plus, uh, Stroman's at 147, Walker's at 157. Um, you know, you, you mentioned the walks. Um, I think Stroman, I mean, actually has a, a very strong case as well. If you're going to really, you know, really look, look at the nitty gritty numbers. Um, and both have been phenomenal. I mean, let's, you know, there's no, you know, Beyond just the All-Star game and, 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 you know, who should be who should be selected and who should be there. Both have been incredible. And especially, you know, Stroman, considering he didn't pitch at all in 2020, um, you know, and, and we really didn't know, you know, missing a whole season. You know, it, it's tough. And, and he, I think you even mentioned it on Twitter. I saw where, you know, we're looking at guys that, you know, maybe having a slow starts. And I think you said something to the effect of, well, you know, guys played a 60 game truncated season last year. And now they're playing a 162 game season. So it's kind of hard and it takes time for guys to kind of get into that, you know, repetition and that mode going from a truncated season now back to a full season. So I think the same applies obviously for Stroman where he didn't pitch at all uh, in 2020. So, you know, I, it's, it's been fun to watch him. Uh, I love his new split change. Uh, I think it's a tremendous weapon for him now. It's, you know, and it's got great results. I mean, I think last time before yesterday, I checked, I think it was close to like a 40% whiff rate on a pitch that he just started throwing this year. Uh, which is which is phenomenal. So yeah, I think you uh, can absolutely make a point that Stroman uh, deserves an All Star uh, selection as well. Um, you know, I think it really you know it really depends on how on how they look at it. But both have both have the numbers, and I think both uh, would be you know excellent choices no matter what. Yeah, I mean, and both pitched very well this weekend. And even when you know Stroman ran into some trouble, and he as he does, he navigates around it. He didn't let. Uh, Lindor's error that cost him a few runs in the first really get to him. He came back out and kept on, you know, fighting. It's just, you know, it's, it's, we've seen the team kind of take on the identity of those kind of frontline guys who, who set the tone and, and, and Stroman's been one just above and beyond been one of those guys. And we're going to talk about the offensive side. Um, we're going to come back from break here from our sponsors, but really there's been a lot of, uh, a lot of positives. So yeah, we're going to take a quick break. Everybody hang tight and we'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Football is back. And the best bet you can make is downloading the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It doesn't matter if you're new to gambling or an old pro. FanDuel has something for everyone. And as an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you know your bets are safe. There's also never been a better time to use FanDuel. Because right now, you'll get up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't win. You can even turn a small wager into a big payday with a same-game parlay bet. Just sign up with the promo code SPOTIFY to place your first bet risk-free on FanDuel Sportsbook. Download FanDuel today. 
21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. The Fall Line is a true crime podcast covering the coldest cases in the southeastern United States and occasionally beyond. We focus on the missing persons, the unsolved murders, and the unidentified does that don't get media attention. Empathetic and intensively researched, The Fall Line will take you on deep dives into unsolved cases that you've never heard of and make you wonder why you haven't. Find us wherever you listen to podcasts. And welcome back. Again, we are back with Matt Brownstein from Metsmerized. We're talking about the Mets' uh, very exciting weekend in the Bronx. We just broke down what the pitching's been doing. Um, talked a little bit about the all-star selections and what might happen there. But what's really taken everyone's attention this weekend, of course, was uh, the Mets offense pretty much waking up. And as we said early on, that coincided with the return of Brandon Nimmo, who went five for nine with three runs and three ribbies this weekend. Um, Matt, we've heard it before. We've seen it happen before. As Brandon Nimmo goes, the Mets offense goes. Um, we saw the return of Michael Conforto give them a very brief boost when he came back last week and then they kind of fell off a cliff. Do you think that this is a different type of situation just because of the type of player or the type of repertoire or arsenal that he brings as a, as a hitter to the plate? You know, it's funny. I, I was told many times on Mets Twitter that Brandon Nemo was just a fourth outfielder and nothing more. <laughs> so it's, uh, it, it's always fun to see him produce. And, and you know, I think – I think Mets fans, for the most part, have known that Nimmo has been, uh, you know, a dynamic offensive player, and especially, obviously, his um, his plate discipline and his ability and um, propensity to get on base. Um, you know, and we saw that this weekend. I mean, he really is just uh, an igniter of the offense atop the lineup. And um, I think that you know, by having him back, I think guys, you know, right after him, start seeing better pitches. Um, you know, he obviously, uh, you know, gets on base at a high clip, so that you know, you have a, a better better chance to score runs, and especially with a lineup that's behind him. Um, yeah. I mean, that's going to, that's going to make for a very deep and dangerous lineup uh, across the board. So I think he, I think he definitely changes the lineup. I absolutely, I absolutely agree with that. Um, and I, I think we saw that unfold with full display uh, at least in the first two games of the series. Uh, so I think he, him, him being back really changes the dynamic of that lineup a lot. Uh, it lengthens it. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, he, I think he really is uh, somebody that really sparks it and, and keeps it going. Oh, I think, like you were saying, we saw it um, on full display in uh, on Saturday. I think the Mets one through hitter, the one through three hitters went eight for fifteen with six runs scored, and uh, and that type of adjustments, I guess, the adjustments that it forces on opposing pitchers when you have that type of depth up at the top, you know, it trickles down to the rest of the lineup. We've seen James McCann; he had an, an outstanding June at the plate. He's extending that into July. Um, you're going to see more opportunities for guys like look at Pete Alonso who's batting now behind, you know, a, a much improved top three. Um, he's, you know, well, he had a, a terrific weekend, but since he returned on May 31st, he's 275, 343, 517, nine home runs over that span, which is a, like a 47 home run pace over a full season. Um, you know, this, these are the types of, I guess, just, cause and effects, I guess you, you can call them that as you, as this team gets more, uh, their roster becomes whole again, I should say 
uh, you're going to see um, more opportunities being created. And, you know, as long as this team takes advantage of the opportunities that are in front of them, because again, pitchers are going to have to adjust to this new, more improved lineup. And also it's going to make them deeper later in games because this bench mob who is starting is now back to just being a bench mob and they can really flourish, but you know, that's a much more macro look at things, but um, yeah, it, things are clicking and you have to look at what happens when JD Davis returns. He's hitting well during his rehab state. He could be back by the end of the week. Um, or I guess hopefully by the weekend, I think Rojas was saying they'll, they'll determine whether he needs more at bats, but you know, he smoked the opposite field triple on Sunday. Our buddy Jacob Resnick shared a video of it. Hey, Jacob. Um, he was hitting real well before he got hurt. 390 with a, what is that? Is that a one, two OPS? My goodness. Um, negative one OA at third base, which is just a shade under, under average. We'll, we'll mess with that. Between him and Luis Guillorme and Jonathan VR, you know, the Mets have a nice kind of versatile little plan in place. Um, do you think that's going to be sufficient in regards to what the Mets might be looking to do at the trade deadline? I mean, I think it certainly can. Um, I mean, I mean, I'm sure, you know, Davis is not going to be hitting, you know, 390 like he was. I think he had a very high BABIP as well during that time. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he's shown a propensity to be, you know, a great offensive force for this team, um, you know, especially in the power department, uh, getting a, getting on base at a high clip. Obviously, we know, you know, his some of his deficiencies at third base. But, you know, if you have, you know, for late inning defensive uh, replacement purposes, you know, you have guys like, you know, Luis Guillorme, um, you know, having the ability to, you know, step in for the seventh, eighth, ninth inning. Um, I think you can get away at third base with, with having that, you know, um, the Mets off uh, defense obviously has been much approved, uh, much improved as we've seen uh, in the numbers, you know, both with uh, outs above average for baseball savant and uh, defensive runs saved. Um, you know, obviously we know about their, uh, their shifting uh, increase this year, which has really helped save a lot of runs. So I think having a guy like Davis at third, I don't think he's going to kill you. Um, I think he, you know, I know he did make, I think three errors uh, in the uh, 14 games that he did play to start the season, but um, like I said, you know, and like you mentioned, having guys, having that bench, um, having those bench guys uh, come off and be replacements late in the game, um, you know, I think it mitigates, um, you know, any defensive uh, defensive miscues later on. And having that bat in the lineup like Davis only lengthens it more, you know, and like you mentioned before, when we were talking about the lineup, you know, before, you know, guys were really kind of, I think we we're kind of stressing and I think we're, we're putting a lot of pressure on themselves because there was only one or two starters back. You know, and now that you have basically the almost the full team healthy, um, you know, if you have one or two guys that aren't hitting, um, you have, you know, four or five other guys that are. And that could, you know, help really keep the lineup in check and, and keep them, uh, you know, really kind of just dominating at all times. If, 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 you know, if you have four or five of these guys out of the lineup that are hitting uh, consistently, you know, you can afford to have guys that aren't, you know, pulling their weight for a time, you know, and that happens obviously. So yeah. I, th I think adding Davis back is a big piece. And, um, you know, I think he definitely just lengthens the lineup and I think you can live with his, uh, with his defensive third as, you know, as long as you have a guy like Guillaume to, to back him up late in innings. Oh, for sure. And I think Luis Guillaume kind of fits into this puzzle in, 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 a, in a very intriguing way because, you know, you have, I guess a couple of weeks ago, it could have been a, a lot more prominent considering the Mets had two lefties in the lineup, but uh, in the, in the rotation, but we have Marcus Stroman, who, uh, you know, um, if not leading the league, uh, leading the majors, very close to leading, um, excuse me, if not leading the majors, he was leading the, uh, the National League in ground ball rate. Um, 
you know, on days that Stroman's out there, or let's say the Mets, you know, add a, add a left-handed starter or something along those lines, or another, you know, starter who's going to put a lot of balls on the, on the, uh, on the ground as far as uh, pitch placement and stuff like that. Right. You know, maybe that will afford Luis Guillaume more playing time. And you really, you know, you, you, you kind of play to everybody's strengths. Um, I think sure. as you were saying, as we, as we've all seen, um, you know, Davis has vulnerabilities in the field and his bat certainly carries him and it's going to keep on affording him playing time. And um, I wouldn't be against seeing a, uh, a true, I guess a, a true platoon to a certain extent, but probably I guess leaning more towards towards Davis's side because uh, you know he hits he hits lefties well he hits righties well and that's not to say Guillaume doesn't I think the only time Guillaume's really faced lefties consistently was in the minors and uh, I want to say that was 2019 he's playing every day um, yeah before he got called up in August he's playing every day and uh, he was raking against righties and lefties so I think he can handle it but um, yeah I think the Mets have their work cut out for them as far as mixing and matching and getting the most out of this roster they had, they have here now. We heard a lot this weekend about Josh Donaldson in the from the twins. Um, I bet the Mets, I guess, looking or putting feelers out on the trade market for a third baseman. Personally, I don't see it. I don't see the point of giving up one. You give up prospects Two, If it's Donaldson, you have to eat a bunch of money. Um, I just, I don't see the, the net positive uh, of trading off what you have now in place, as well as the versatility that all these guys offer. Cause you have VR in the mix who certainly played his way into the, into the, into the picture during, um, when everyone was down, but, you know, I guess my question is if one, do you like a Donaldson edition, if it's out there and two, you know, the Mets have other needs. Wouldn't you like to see kind of, I guess, the the assets that they have to play with kind of go to a more pressing area? Yeah, I'm with you on that, to be honest with you. I mean, I, I look at Donaldson more as a luxury. Um, you know, I think that, you know, Minnesota is obviously going to be looking to to, to, shed, to shed payroll and stuff. And, and Donaldson surely, certainly fills that bill. I mean, he's making... $21 million this year, $21 million next year, $21 million in 2023. And then he's got a $16 million club option with $8 million buyout. So it, it's not, you know, it's an absorbent amount of money that the Mets would be, you know, willing to take on. And, you know, we've heard Steve Cohen, Steve Cohen talk about, you know, that they would be willing to go over the luxury tax. And I believe they will at, at some point. I definitely do, especially for the right player. I don't think Donaldson's it, you know, he's 35 years old. Um, he is, uh, he's not on the IL right now, but he is day to day with a hamstring um, strain, uh, that he suffered on Saturday. And, you know, we know his history uh, with injuries um, too. So it's like, you know, you're, you're taking on a guy that is having a, a great offensive season. Uh, defense, num- defensive numbers are down a little bit, a uh, little bit com- compared to what we've seen from Donaldson being, you know, a, a plus their baseman. Yeah. So I really think that his, I, I think his addition would be nice. Uh, would certainly lengthen the lineup even more, but I don't think it's necessary. Like you said, I think I'd rather use, um, you know, the players and the assets that you have to go out and get a need, which I think we all probably agree on is, uh, is pitching. Now here's, here's my hypothetical Minnesota, who, again, um, we all kind of assumed as they were falling out of things that they could be sellers. Now you're starting to see reports that they are going to be sellers or are leaning towards that. Um, I know I brought them up 
last week we've heard Tim Britt. We saw Tim Britton write about him. He he had a very nice write up, and he also included Michael Pineda, which would be kind of funny, but not my first pick out of that staff. <laughs> um, so the Mets need starting pitching. Jose Barrios is a stud. He's a free agent in 2023. Uh, he's having a very nice year this year. 3.52, 16 starts. I think his his four seam is only weighted on base average on any of his four pitches. This is four seam. That's 386. Everything else is under 300. He throws a curve. He throws a sinker. He throws a changeup. Um, if you have to take Donaldson to get Berrios, are you doing it? I think it depends on the package. I mean, oh, I sure, think of course, of course. But if, if the, if the, the cost is inexorbitant and you're taking on, of course, you're going to have to take on all Donaldson's money, but that's going right. to lower your, I guess your prospect cost. And you're going to have to send them someone to replace Donaldson, which is, I, I hate to see JD Davis get traded in this situation. I really do. He's under team control, but anyway, let's say it, let's say it doesn't include Davis, but then you have to find a place for Davis to play. So it might have to include Davis. Anyway, I've gone. I've gone off track, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I, I think you're right. I think it would probably make sense. I mean, I think you'd have to probably deal a player that's controllable and that's obviously making a lot less money than Donaldson and Davis fits that bill. Um, you know, I, I I like Barrios. I mean, I think he's a good. I think he would be a good, you know, mid to upper, you know, arm in the rotation. And I think at least for him, you're looking at it's more of a, a longer term plan as well. Because obviously, like you mentioned, you have him. Uh, he'll be arbitration eligible one more time next year. So you have him for 2022 as well, um, which also, you know, gives the Mets a little bit of breathing room considering that you, that they have both Noah Syndergaard and Marcus Stroman uh, hitting free agency uh, after the season. So um, I, I think that's, that's a, a trade that you might have to look at, you know, especially to, to add a, a, a player at the caliber of, of Barrios and how he's done this year. Um, you know, his age obviously is nice. He's 27 years old. I think that, you know, that's a trade that the Mets might have to look more seriously into. So, yeah, you are, you know, eating a lot of money uh, and taking on a lot of money, I should say, um, in the Donaldson contract. But you're gaining, you know, a much needed arm in the rotation that the Mets desperately need. Uh, you know, now with David Peterson down, uh, you know, Noah Syndergaard and Carlos Carrasco still a bit away. So I, I think the Mets have might have to be creative here uh, in terms of how they add uh, that starter. Um, it also depends on who else is available and, you know, who else is um you know, open to dealing right now, but those two names I think would probably be the um, right now, most realistic considering where the twins are. Um, and obviously the exchanges that they've already had with reports that we've heard. So I, I think that's something that the Mets might have to look into. I think they should look into probably every Avenue they can when it comes to acquiring uh, another starting pitcher. Oh, and I think there's going to be a lot of avenues out there to explore. I think we're going to see, um, you know, I think there's still owners that are feeling the sting from last year, or at least pr proclaiming to. Um, I think that we might see some some. I, I don't even know who to put a put a finger on, but I think we might see a lot more bigger names floating around at the trade deadline than we have in the past. Um, as far as Barrios, like ideally, I'd love to say, oh yeah, just go trade for just Barrios. But if you're trading for just Barrios, you're paying out the nose with prospects. Um, Absolutely. You know. I said it over the weekend on Twitter. If if it would mean the Mets winning a World Series in 2021, I know they only have a handful of really, really top prospects, but you're going to have to dip into that if you're going to make a big deal. Um, out of the, I guess, out of the stable, Beatty, I would say Beatty because he's having such a hot start and I might kick me in the ass down the line, but I would say Beatty 
and JT Ginn, just because of his ceiling, would be my two picks. You have Allen coming back down the line. I know you just got rid of Josh Wolf and taken away from the pitching might be hazardous. But, um, you know, you, you, one, you have to wonder if a Beatty Ginn deal would even get Berrios. But then you kind of have to shop that around because those are two higher, higher profile bluer chip prospects, maybe you could say. Sure. Um, you know, the Mets are going to have decisions to make. Yeah, no question. I mean, I think if, if you're willing to, to deal, you know, a JT Jin and a Brett Beatty. Um, oh, Jin? Like, I'm sorry. I thought it was Gin. Oh, maybe I, may, I might be saying it wrong. Oh, I'm and taking your right. word for it. Oh, I man, think it's, No, I think it might be Gin. You might be right. You might be right. <laughs> now, now you got me questioning. Oh, <laughs> uh, we got to get we got to get Jacob on the line. We need. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I think that, uh, you know, I, I think you should be shopping, you know, if you're willing to do that for, for Barrios, I think you definitely need to see what else is out there. And if you can acquire, you know, a, a starting pitcher, uh, uh, even better than Barrios for that kind of combination, or at least starting with that combination, you know, obviously then you kind of, you know, mix and match a little bit and negotiate, but, um, you know, it doesn't hurt to send feelers out, you know, like you mentioned and see what is available and who's available out there right now. Um, you know, we might be not even thinking of a pitcher that, you know, that is available and, you know, you, you start a package like that. Um, that would definitely, I think, really, you know, open a lot of uh, a lot of uh, GMs ears and eyes when they hear, you know, two players of, of those caliber, um, you know, headlining a package. So I, I think it I think the Mets probably are. I'm sure Zach Scott is on the phone and I'm sure he is, uh, you know, doing his due diligence. But, uh, you know, yeah, I think I, I think the Mets need to explore all avenues in order to to add another starting pitcher who that is uh, remains to be seen, you know, uh, but I, I think they we, we've seen that the Mets. You know, I mean, there's been times this season where I, I thought, you know, the Mets could could easily implode um, just based off of their injuries uh, and, and the number of guys and the number of high, you know, high quality guys that were on the on the shelf. But they've showed a resilience resiliency to to hang in there. So I think that the Mets, uh, Steve Cohen, Zach Scott, I think Sandy Alderson, they owe it uh, to to really, you know, go out and make a deal and, and add a, and add a high end quality pitcher uh, to the staff to, you know, take them deep into take them deep into the postseason contention. Oh, yeah. I think from my point of view, um, you know, the organization, at least right now, considering where they were on opening day and where they are, you know, on July 5th, um, they're playing with house money. Like you said, this team easily could be 10 games back, right? They could also be seven games up, but, you know, they had the opportunities to do that. But um, considering where they are right now and with the now healthy roster that's back, yeah, you're playing with house money. If you can make a run, make a run. The last regime already, you know, blew up your, your farm system. Go ahead. What's a, what's a couple more prospects to make a, make a real, real push. You have the core to do it. Go, let's go. You have a young, you know, at least the major league roster. It's youngish. You have guys who are still under arbitration. You're going to have to cross a bunch of bridges in the next few years, but Hey, you know, it's, um, it's certainly a, you know, it's, it's a bridge to contemplate crossing. Um, if I have my pick, I would be shocked if they trade within the, the division. I want Pablo Lopez from the Marlins. I love his changeup so much. Um, I think he would be the perfect back end compliment. Yeah, he's a fun pitcher to watch, and he's a you know a very consistent uh, consistent arm. Uh, I think that might be you know the type of arms that the Mets are going to look into. You yeah. know, um, you know, and, and obviously you know his age. Obviously, he's only twenty five, and he fits right in. Um, you know, with, with a young young team like the Mets, so. Yeah, uh, he he would be a fun guy to get. I mean, I I I, I would have a. I'm going to throw a name out that you know I don't think it's ever going to happen because you know a it's a division rival and b um, 
I think he would, they would just ask way too much from the Mets is obviously Max Scherzer, (laughs) you know, I mean, you could dream, right? Could you imagine Max Scherzer paired with Jacob DeGrom atop the rotation? My goodness. Just the intensity. Oh my God. The intensity in that clubhouse. That's what I love. You know, and he's such a competitive guy and I I just love, even though he's on the Nationals, I love watching him. I mean, I don't know who doesn't. I think he's such a, such a competitor and he's such a fiery, fiery guy on the mound. And he's so fun to watch. He gets so mad at himself and, uh, I mean, what, what, I mean, he's still, he's still incredible. Uh, and I think he would be someone that would just be so dynamic to add uh, to the Mets rotation. And I, I think the nationals would definitely, I mean, you would have to overpay uh, to, to, to acquire the Mets would have to overpay to acquire Scherzer for sure. Um, just because of the fact that, you know, they're in the same division um, you know, there's no love loss there, but I, he would be someone that I would just be so much fun just to dream about having <laughs> atop that rotation with DeGrom. Oh, Nats fans would, um, they have mutiny. Oh my God! They would <laughs> they would lose if they if they traded Max Scherzer to the Mets. Oh my goodness! You got to get everybody back. You got to take the whole farm system. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's why. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's it's pie in the sky. But you know, it's fun to think about. And I mean, you know. Oh my at, gosh. Even at thirty six, I mean, he's putting up a two one ERA uh, yeah. and almost oh, hundred innings. Yeah. Fen- I mean, phenomenal. So uh, you know, I, just picturing him with Degrom and Stroman and Walker and in, in, in a in a postseason. Goodness. I mean, that's you go to battle with those guys. You know, Cincinnati seven games out. I'm still very intrigued by Sonny Gray. If they're letting go of Castillo, great, but we'll have to see. But, um, you know, if Cincy has a has a rough couple of weeks, I, I would not be against Sonny Gray. We're bringing Sonny Gray back to New York and um, just kind of see how see where that goes because I, I like Sonny Gray. He's done a lot to improve his game in the last couple of years. I think he could be a real asset. Yeah, Sonny Gray is a, is, is a very durable arm. Had a good outing uh, from his from his last time back out from the IL on July 2nd. Five oh, innings, he, he was run. hurt? Yeah, he didn't pitch from uh, since June. His last start before July 2nd was June 8th. Oh, shit. I missed that completely. So, yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, he, you know, I think Cincinnati is certainly a team, like you mentioned, that you should, that, you know, we should be looking at um, just to see what's, you know. Again, I think they really just need to explore all options and, and see – Who's out there? What's available? What the cost is? Um, you know, I, I think, I think the Mets are in a situation right now, considering the state of their their minor league system, where you know, obviously the, the crown jewels of their of of their prospects are in the lower levels. Um, you know, there are guys at the up, you know, the mid to upper levels. I mean, you know, Mark Vientos would be Vientos is having a magical year. Oh, I mean, what a what a June he had too. Um, yeah. You know, I think I think the Mets could could definitely swing a deal and hopefully not include any of the the bigger name guys, you know, like the Mauricio's and the Beatty's and obviously, you know, Alvarez is, I think just completely off limits, but. Um, oh my gosh, never. In the Mauricio, <laughs> I don't want to trade either of them for anything. So you wouldn't. So my question to you, Tim, that is, I mean, Mauricio obviously is a guy right now who's playing shortstop and, and, you know, I'm sure has the, has the bill has the body and the bill to move over to, you know, a third base or first base or maybe even corner outfield, outfield, outfield spot. <laughs> I mean, so, but obviously he's blocked by Lindor, you know, for the next yeah. 10 years. So are you more willing though now, since that he is being blocked by Lindor, would you be more willing to unload a Mauricio in a, in a, in a deal where you're getting a, I mean, top of the rotation type arm back, or is he completely off limits for you? It's gotta be um, an absolute game changer of a deal. Like mm. it's gotta be, that's, that's my, that's my untouchable is Ronnie Mauricio. Could just because he's, I know his numbers don't really reflect, wow, look at this guy, because he's been playing well under his age for the last couple of years. Well, his right. first couple of years. Um, but even when he was, I think he was 18 playing in low A, and he was raking. He had a very, very nice season. Um, yeah, I, I think that 
of course you have to move him off a shortstop. He's going to stay here. Um, but yeah, I am. Um, not only do I in my head have him is as my untouchable when I'm talking to other teams, I'm letting them know Ronnie is off limits just so they know that's going to only bring back the highest value of return. Um, yeah. But Ronnie is it's, I know a lot of guys have a very high ceiling from the, from the Van Wagenen regime that they drafted or not even Van Wagenen. This was the, you know, the, this is the, the scouting department that was, has been in place and is still in place. So, right. um, you know, all credit goes to those guys, but yeah, I am. Um, I think Mauricio is, is I know head and shoulders is a really big proclamation, but I think he is the guy. I really do. I think he certainly has a skill set. I think we've seen it on display, you know, many times. Oh, look um, at his spring. Look at the spring that he had. Oh, it was phenomenal. And he was, you know, I mean, it, and like you mentioned too about his age, I mean, he's still, I think, roughly about three years younger um, than, than, the, than the average competition in Brooklyn. So, you know, despite having, you know, some. Is he really, even with the gap in play, he's still three years younger in Brooklyn? Yeah. If you look at his baseball wow. reference page, he's, yeah, it's minus three age difference. So he's and, still. And, he, and he's what? He's leading the, that league in homers? No, he's close, right? I think he's close. I mean, he has eight. So I think he's, okay. I think he's got to be up there, but I mean, yeah, he's, 80, you know, he's, 80's he's having a wild year in Brooklyn. Oh, I mean, what, I mean, he's been fun to watch. I mean, I, I know a lot of people have been high on Beatty and, and for a while, but I mean, seeing it fall on display in Brooklyn, I mean, he's just, I mean, having a monster year. I mean, and that on base percentage is beautiful to see at four Oh eight, um, showing some pop too, uh, hitting all fields. Yeah. He's gosh. I mean, that that trio of Mauricio, Beatty, and Alvarez in Brooklyn. I mean, folks, if you haven't seen a Brooklyn game and you have the ability to uh, do so before these guys, before any of them, you know, get called up, uh, you know, to, to get promoted to Double A, because that's a fun, fun middle of the order to watch, to watch hit and, and to just play on a day in day out basis. Because those three guys have a very good shot of being, you know, star caliber players. And I, you know, I hate putting that kind of, you know. That, those qualifiers on them, but I mean, this the the raw talent that they're producing in the lower levels, um, and 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 the high ceilings that they have. They definitely, if everything goes right and health health withstanding, they can definitely be, um, you know, productive major leaguers uh, in the not so distant future. So yeah, definitely, Brooklyn is a is a fun place and a great ballpark to go out and watch a game anyway. But having those talent talented guys there is uh, makes it even more uh, enjoyable to watch. Oh, for sure, and yeah, Brooklyn is great. I've seen ball games there. I've seen concerts there. Yeah, that's a that's a fun place to uh, to take in a, a day. But um, and even when they get called up to Binghamton, that's not a far trip. And Binghamton's an awesome city. That's one I have not gone to yet, and really? it's on my it's on my list. Yeah. Oh my god, I have so much fun up there. I've seen a couple of concerts up there too, and what a blast! Oh my gosh, nice, fun, uh, nice stadium, or yeah, uh, yeah, you know, minor league stadium. I, I've yeah. actually I spent more time in the arena. Okay. Okay. Very nice. Yeah. yeah. Hence the concerts, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. That place gets wild. That's fun. That's fun. Yeah. It's in, you know, a little, little car ride to Binghamton, you know, so that's, I guess from the city, that's what, about three hours or so? Uh, yeah. Maybe four. Drive-wise? Yeah. Okay. It's like, yeah, it's, it's almost like you're heading towards Wilkes-Barre. Okay. Yeah. I've, I've been to, okay. So I've been to Scranton. I've been to some of their games before. So yeah. Okay. That's not, that's not terrible. Not a bad <laughs> drive. Nice little day trip, you know? I'm trying to convince my daughter to, to, to go to Binghamton. It's a great school. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. How far yeah. along, how far away is she from uh, entering college? She's entering her senior year next year. Oh, wow. Okay. So that's coming up. Oh yeah. We're, we're, we are, we are, you know, trying to make this, uh, make this decision in earnest right now. Absolutely. Like any good parent should. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> she's got the grades. So, you know, she's going to, um, you know, she's going to have her, her, her picks. So I, I just, you know, 
I want her to be happy. That's the biggest thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's it's good to have the, the, the choices and the grades obviously make it so much easier to be able to go off and, and do what you want to do instead of having just to kind of pick from, you know, the other random choices that you have. So it's good to hear that she's got the, she's got the grades going for her, which is excellent. Oh, dude. I mean, and, and some days it's like, well, I want to go to California. And then some days it's like, ah, I'll, you know, I'll go to Stony Brook. So yeah, <laughs> we have a lot of narrowing to, uh, to do. So it sounds like it sounds like <laughs> it. <laughs> we shall see. But uh, Matt, uh, this has been a, a blast as always. Um, what do you got cooking over at MMO these days? So I just interviewed the other day, uh, Jordan Yamamoto actually, um, right. <clears throat> talked to him down in Port St. Lucie where he's rehabbing, uh, really fun guy. I am actually very excited to have this interview released. We got into great detail uh, about some of his, uh, some of his pitches in his arsenal, including his, uh, his change up in slider. Uh, also talked really greatly in depth about the new foreign substance rule that's in place. And uh, I think fans are going to really like what he has to say. Uh, he really goes uh, into great depth and detail, share some great anecdotes. So, That'll be out hopefully soon. And then I also have a interview that I did a while ago. I just have been just completely lazy with and haven't, haven't transcribed yet, but uh, I interviewed Neil Walker about a month or so ago. So that one, I still have to actually just sit my butt down and, and, and type out. <laughs> so those two should hopefully be out within the next uh, two weeks or so. Excellent. So those are two, uh, I know they're two, two of my favorites. I can't wait. I want to hear what Neil Walker has to say about those, those 2016 and 2015 teams. Yeah, he, he goes into a great deal. We also did detail about some of those. And uh, we also uh, talked about the uh, Ask in the Jackpot game, which he played a you know, role, in, obviously, early on, um, where he was you know, pleading uh, his case and, and you know, wondering why there was you know, no warning beforehand. So, yeah, it, he was fun to talk to. And we, we, we go into great detail about uh, his connection with Roberto Clemente. Uh, as well. Uh, so yeah, he was, uh, he was a fun, fun interview. You know, it's always fun to talk to guys that, uh, you know, give you a little bit more insight and not just, you know, the kind of same vanilla answers that you get or the cliche answers. And, uh, both these guys really, um, really went into some great, some great stories and, uh, shared some, some interesting, interesting, interesting perspectives that I think uh, readers will really enjoy. That's awesome. I'm looking forward to it, man. Well, the Mets have three with the Brewers, they got four with the Pittsburgh Pirates, and then they, they are off for, for a few goals. Well, 25 out of 26 guys are off for, uh, are off for three days, and uh, oh, four days, actually, for the All-Star break. But, uh, Matt, these, this team has a chance to, uh, to kind of finish up strong. How, how do you feel coming into the uh, – actually, the Brewers series. That's, that's, you don't want to overlook the Pirates, but we're focusing on the Brewers series. It's a good, hot team. What do you, what do you feel? I mean, I think you gotta you gotta feel you know gotta feel strong with the offense coming off of the series of the Yankees. So I think if you you know if if you keep riding that offense into the series, uh, you know I think the Mets have a good shot. I know, I mean, you have you know do you have anytime you have the Grom going in a series, you feel good. So I know he's going Tuesday. Um, tonight you have uh, you know Tyler going. So uh, you know it's going to be tough because the Brewers are obviously throwing. I think they have Woodruff and uh, Corbin Burns lined up to in two of these games. So. Those are, you know, those are two of the better pitchers in the NL this year. So it's going to be a tough series, but, uh, you know, I think if the Mets offense showed what they did this past weekend, I think the Mets, you know, I think the Mets have a good chance of, you know, hopefully, you, you know, you take the series. I mean, that's all you can ask for. The Brew Crew is running into a buzzsaw. Let's do it. <laughs> I like it. And uh, oh, we also got to love TBD going on, uh, going on Wednesday against Corbin Burns. TBD's uh, had a nice year. TBD has been, you know, honestly, probably, you know, a team MVP so far. I mean, I'm so used to seeing TBD that I, he should just get a number at this point. No, 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Matt, always a pleasure, my man. Everybody, we will be back on Friday, hopefully, with a very, very, pro- uh, very uh, fruitful week to recap. Uh, Matt, everyone can find you on Twitter, mbrownstein89. That's right. Yep. Yeah, we got it. It's only taken like seven <laughs> episodes. All right. <laughs> I know you get it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. We'll see you next time. Let's go Mets. Peace. 